This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. This is Knowledge of Wharton here on Sirius XM 111 Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Our final 30 of the day, and then we will be back with you tomorrow. If you are giving money to a charity, it may feel sometimes like you may not know the level of change that your donation is actually making. That's been a worry for some time now, but a pair of Wharton alums are trying to change that to a degree. Josh McCann and Kate Epstein uh, co-founded One for the World back uh, a few years ago. The goal is to use data-driven analysis to determine the most effective charities out there today. One for the World has uh, 13 chapters spread across programs at top universities with the hope to have college students donate 1% of their future income towards these charities. They also are working with 19 organizations based in various parts of the world. And it's a pleasure to have uh, Josh and Kate joining us here today. Welcome to you both. Thank you for your time today. Thank you very much for having us. Thank you. Thank you. Kate, let's start with the with where the idea to do an organization like yours actually started. Sure. I was inspired by Josh, my counterpart. Josh is on the line. So we were students at Warden getting our MBA degrees in a communications class, and Josh gave a aspirational, motivating speech as part of a class assignment about effective altruism, which was a new concept that I was not familiar with. And I approached him after class and said, I love this idea. I want this to be something that uh, sprouts up at universities in the U.S. Can we work on this together? So Josh was really the mastermind behind the idea. And then we spent uh, two years at Warden making it happen, getting the idea into reality and a few years later, it's it's been going really great. So, uh, looking forward to to talking about it more with you. And, and Josh, the interesting piece is that obviously you're working with organizations, but you're also working with other universities, other uh, groups at universities uh, around the country uh, to build this out. Yeah, um, we got started at uh, Wharton, and we thought that it was a very reasonable model that um, a lot of young people are aspirational about the impact that they can create in the world. And we wanted to take a message of um, a positive impact to students and um, offer them the opportunity to get involved and, and uh, make philanthropy a constant part of their career from the moment they graduate. Is the idea of reaching out to college students important to you uh, so that they uh, obviously a lot of college students are thinking about the, these types of issues today and, and they feel that they are very important? Um, I think that that's very true, um, that that our generation is a generation that cares about both um, being engaged in the world around us and, and making a positive contribution, and is also very interested in making sure that that's um, a more than good intentions approach um, to having an impact. And so we started at business school because we were a business school students at the time, and um, our model adapts itself well to student groups, but also it's a... Um, it's a group of it's a group of uh, people who are very motivated and receptive to the message. And where are the other uh, branches that you have at, at universities and colleges? Uh, so we've we've got a pretty solid presence uh, up and down the east coast at this point. So there's three chapters at the the law school, the business school, and the undergrad program at Harvard, um, at the business school program at MIT Sloan, uh, at the law school at Penn, at the undergrad program at Villanova, and the undergrad program at Columbia. Um, and we're, we're slowly heading west. 
um, and <laughs> south. So we've also kicked off at Georgetown in Maryland, and we're kicking off at the uh, GSB, the Graduate School of Business at Stanford this year. So, Kate, take us through the, this process uh, of, uh, one, bringing all of these other uh, entities from, from the college realm in together, but also uh, finding these organizations around the globe that are obviously doing incredible work, uh, seemingly some of the best charitable work uh, in their parts of the, uh, parts of the world. Sure. So that's the crux of our organization and our mission is to find the most effective organizations and create a portfolio where it's easy for donors to engage and we're cutting out the research that they need to do. So for, for us, how we were able to cultivate this list was essentially leveraging the work of others. So there are some excellent charity evaluators out there, primarily Give Well and Impact Matters, which are the two leading charity evaluators in the U.S., so we heavily leverage their research. They conduct extensive research. They have some uh, clinical trials that they do depending on the organization. And then from there, we we add a second layer of diligence on top of the great work that they've already done. And that second layer of diligence is primarily conducted by what we call a panel of experts, which is something that the Life You Can Save assembled. Uh, the Life You Can Save is, is part of our organization. We leverage their resources, and the panel of experts is a group of professors uh, and businessmen who are experts in this space and, again, add that second level of diligence. And we've got um, three different criteria that we use to evaluate organizations. It's evidence, efficiency, and execution. Execution meaning needing funding and capable of using incremental funding. So it's a, it's a bit of... Um, if there's a lot of numerics and data and analysis that that goes behind it. How, Josh, how how common is the idea to use data and analytics to determine who some of these organizations are, or just in general in the giving space overall? I think it's increasingly common, but we're coming from a place a decade or a decade and a half ago where it was um, it was very rare. And so the, the key uh, innovation in the space has been to realise that randomised control trials, which is um, the same evidence base that we would use or the same standard of testing that we would use to approve a pharmaceutical. Um, so before you give your kids, before the FDA will approve a drug to be handed out to your children, um, we'll want to see in a double-blind RCT that it's effective and that there are no side effects. Um, and we can ad- uh, adapting that testing standard to... Um, to uh, interventions in the social space has been uh, a, a real driver of change. So we can demonstrate that um, but for this intervention, um, the, the outcomes that we were looking for wouldn't have been achieved. 844-942-7866 is the number to join in with your comments or questions. We're talking with the uh, co-founders of One for the World, Josh McCann and Kate Epstein. Again, 844-942-7866. Or if you can't get to your phone, you can send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Kate, you have a, a group of these organizations that you're working with that you consider to be top picks. What qualifies them as such? That's correct. We have 19 organizations that we support in our portfolio, but 19 is a bit of a cumbersome number for some donors who are trying to get their head around the organization. So for those donors who want to interact and engage with a smaller subset, we've created this top 
picks concept, similar to when you go to a library and the librarian has her favorite books. This is uh, the, analog the analogous mechanism here. So for top picks, we look at five different criteria. The first is direct impact, meaning the money is not supporting research or policy, but really impacting change more directly. The second is simplicity. We value organizations that um, are easy to trace dollars and, and out, output and outcomes. There are some organizations where that's more difficult, so simplicity is valued. The third item is track records. So there are organizations that have proven themselves to be efficacious, but they have a shorter track record when possible. We prefer organizations with a longer track record, more years mm -hmm. behind them. And then the fourth and fifth, fourth would be cultural fit with our uh, the consumers that we're trying to target and engage with, which are young professionals and students. There's a cultural fit element that I could talk about a little bit more later. And then the final uh, piece would be existing an existing recommendation that we've had in the past. We prefer to have a portfolio that has a sense of continuity. So we slightly prefer organizations that we've worked with in the past. So how how frequent, uh, Josh, are you seeing people that want to support uh, all of these organizations or are, are choosing to go with the top picks right now? Um, it's an interesting thing because I feel like everyone we speak to has a number of preferences. And obviously, if you're, we're looking to engage with the entirety of a student population at a university. And so if we're talking about um, all of the cause areas and um, regional um, uh, issues that, that affect them and that they are interested in, it's, it's pretty limitless, right? Um, yet when, once we've had a conversation with people and once they commit to donate, um, most of our donors choose to pick um, the top five picks portfolio or the top picks portfolio. Um, and I think the reason there is uh, past a certain point, um, people are very happy to, to know that, hey, that th here's a portfolio that I know is making a real impact in the world. Um, this is making my decision to donate on an ongoing basis really easy. Um, and it, it's, a, it's a very uh, easy place to engage and to start their philanthropic journey. Kate, you mentioned cultural fit. Uh, tell us exactly how that plays out. Sure. So, again, our target audience uh, is a mix of students but also young professionals, and we do have high penetration in a lot of top-tier MBA programs, Harvard, MIT, Wharton, et cetera. And so we have a little bit of a bias towards business. So we sure. are a few organizations that support local businesses. They try to train entrepreneurs or create uh, entrepreneurs, provide cash grants. So, for example, Give Directly is an organization that we support that provides cash transfers, which are really critical to reducing the cycle of poverty. Uh, instead of just giving someone a fish, you're giving someone a fishing rod, that type of idea. Right. And that's the primary way that the cultural fit plays out in our portfolio. Is it is it easier... Do you think that to be able to reach out to college students, then would it be then maybe possibly it would be if you were reaching out to the general public? Yeah, so that's an intentional choice for why we're targeting students. It's easier to learn a new behavior and to unlearn an old behavior. So we're trying to target students who are uh, receptive to learning about the world in general, including philanthropy. We think this is a good time to catch them and to ingrain this new behavior now uh while they're still a little bit receptive to new ideas and in this phase of learning 
Josh, you were talking a moment ago about uh, about uh, moving west and and expansion. Uh, how quickly uh, is your estimation that you will be able to add other universities and other uh, groups at universities to be able to have commitments from the, from them as well? Um, we've been doubling our school base, um, our chapter numbers each year, and we intend to continue do that doing that for the next for the foreseeable future for the next four or five years. Um, and so we'll have 15 chapters online by the end of this academic year, and we think it's very achievable to double that next year. Um, as people become more aware of this, we spread by word of mouth, and, and it's friends of friends who are getting in touch with us who are saying, hey, this is something that I think would be interesting to bring to my school community. Um, so we're very hopeful um, uh, that we'll be able to continue to grow quite rapidly. Um, off the base that we've established at this point. Kate, you mentioned uh, the the one organization that is working on cash transfers. What are some of the other organizations doing to impact their particular areas? Sure. So there are a few that do something in the entrepreneur space, whether it's cash transfers or enabling uh, local folks to sell healthcare services or healthcare products. That's one bucket. But then there's other groups that are trying to... Uh, eradicate preventable diseases like against malaria foundation for example malaria has been eradicated in most of the world and can be um, fixed with bed nets it's a pretty simple cost-effective solution so that would be one example there's other programs that we support that try to provide fortified food and micronutrients to children to prevent um, disabilities down the road we have some organizations that also deal with specific health issues such as preventable blindness or fistula issues. So we kind of run the gamut. The common thread between all of our organizations is that we're working with folks who live in abject poverty, meaning extreme poverty, where they're facing uh, malnutrition, uh, no access to sanitation or water. So there's this extreme poverty element that runs through all of the organizations that we support, and that's really the core of our mission. So then, in terms of, of geographic location, I guess some of these are in Africa, maybe some in, in South America as well? There's a focus on Africa, and there's also some parts of Southeast Asia and Asia, such as Nepal. Okay. Uh, that's really the focus. And to your point, to your point, when we think about ROI and where the U.S. dollar goes further, it does tend to be um, in certain geographic regions where you get more bang for your buck for a dollar. Well, and, and even, Josh, when you have students that are that are committing to donate even 1% uh, of their future income, uh, because of the value uh, that you get in other parts of the world, even 1% can provide an unbelievable or make an unbelievable difference uh, in the lives of many of these people. Yeah, it's very, very true. Um and I think that's one of the, the key messages that, that um, resonates with people when we have these conversations, is that if you're graduating from a postgraduate institution in the U.S. and making north of $100,000 a year, um, 1% of your income is $1,000, which is, gonna, is capable of providing upwards of 300 bed nets a year to people who um, would otherwise be at risk of, uh, of contracting malaria. And, um, and that's, that's just huge. That's like a huge number of people who are positively impacted by a very small decision that you've made. Um, and uh, equally, for undergraduate students who are walking off campus and having never had an income before and are making $60,000 a year, um, that's a, a really large amount of money in a global context. So 1% of their income is, is 50% of the global median income. Um, so that, that you can supplement, so through Give Directly, that 1% of their income um, could uh, provide most of um, 
the annual transfer that uh, that GiveDirectly provide to um, families living in in absolute poverty, um, and that's pretty huge. You're making a huge contribution to mm. the living standards of an entire family with what is a tiny fraction, a forgettable fraction of your own income. And I think that that's the um, that's sort of drives most of the engagement when people realise that hey, from the point I graduate from this institution, I'm going to be able to make a tremendous difference in the world without actually impacting my own life in any meaningful capacity. Um, I know and I, I think you know, all of your listeners and, and, um, and everyone engaged in this conversation is we, we make frivolous decisions on occasion and I continue to make terrible decisions pretty regularly mm-hmm. with how I spend my money. But by pre-committing to donating a, percentage of, uh, a certain percentage of it, um, I'm able to note, like, sleep with some level of confidence that, hey, uh, you know, at least I've done some good in the world today, regardless of yeah. um, everything else that I, uh, all of the other um, uh, uninformed financial decisions I'm making. This is one that provides a real level of impact in, in our broader community. And Kate, I guess at least for the for the time being, uh, the the focus is on colleges and and college students to get them involved. But but could there be a time where you would where you would expand this even more and, and look at the public? Absolutely, that's something that we discuss all the time internally, and it's just a question of our resources and priorities. But we think about this, and we have internal debates. We think that the message of effective altruism is a really um, important concept that highly educated folks haven't heard of or engaged with, and we think that the message would resonate with the broader public. It's just a question of when and how we'll spread further. And the the students being the the message carriers in the years to come. Exactly. What is the expectation, Josh? Then then you have for for twenty eighteen because you're working with. A, I mean, some of the the things that these organizations are trying to do are are phenomenal on a wide range. Financially being one thing, uh, but clean water, uh, deworming of children, you know, saving people from blindness. What's the expectation that you have for? Uh, for one, for the world moving forward? We think we can make a real impact on the culture of giving um, and starting at uh, education, elite educational institutions in the United States and, and, and expanding across the general public. But um, uh, in 2018, we we know that um, we've been doubling our donor base uh, every year since we started and we'll continue that again this year. Um, so we'll, we'll raise $200,000 this year, which will double the total amount of money that we've raised over the last three years. Um, However, uh, th- that's just the, the start of, of, um, of the impact of our, of our donor base. Like many of the students who've committed um, and made a mental commitment and a personal commitment to continue to donate over time um, are still students and um, won't, won't uh, walk out into the wider world for a year or two yet. Uh, and so, you know, we think that we are at the vanguard of, of creating a culture of giving um, across institutions. And even to date, through um, uh, donations that I don't think anyone who's who's written a check to us will miss, right? I don't think anyone's right. ever going to come back to us and say, "Oh, if only I'd had that extra one percent of cash last year, <laughs> my whole life would have been different." Um, but we're still able to provide. So um, by the end of February, we've provided uh, clean drinking water to over thirty thousand people um, through through Evidence Action, and that's that's pretty exciting like that's not really cost anyone anything from their own life and it's delivered to people on the other end of the opportunity spectrum to the three of us um 
some of the basics that we take for granted. And, and that, I think, is um, demonstrating that impact um, to, to our chapters and, and to students across the country is, um, I think, uh, our key goal for 2018. Wish, all you, the, wish you both all the best uh, with this uh, and look forward to talking to you again down the road. Thank you, Josh. Thank you, Kate. Thank you for having us. Thank, Thank you. you so much. Thank you both, Josh McCann and Kate Epstein. Onefortheworld.org is the website. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.